and good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you are in the world. This is Harrison Smith with another episode of Cinema. And first, a word from Deadly Grounds Coffee. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. And we all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. <laughs> With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. To repeat what I've said for the last couple episodes, uh, I wasn't going to work or endeavor to uh, keep a weekly episode just to post a weekly episode and have varying levels of quality. I said I would only record when I felt I had something to say. So this week, I'm jumping in to the fray uh, with Britney Spears, but trying to look at a bigger picture on this. This is not about her conservatorship. This is not about the Free Britney movement. It is not about any of this. This is something that I've talked about almost basically 20 years ago. Uh, definitely going on over 10. And that is the bizarre construction of a celebrity for the sole purpose of deconstruction. So for those of you that are listening, that call yourself or selves Britney fans, uh, you need to hear this. Because the real question at the end of all of this is, what do you want? So... Again, as I get into this, bear with me. This is not another dissection of the Free Britney movement. Instead, like I said, this is a wider look at the fascination of watching people self-destruct for our entertainment. Britney Spears is not the only one, and she won't be the last one. And for example, listen to a very popular podcast that I had an episode uh, called Episode 47, The Assassination of Tara Reid, because there you can see a detailed deconstruction of a concerted media effort to push someone over the edge. The link will be provided in my show notes. Now, none of this, again, is new. Marilyn Monroe endured it. Princess Diana, Billie Holiday, Amy Winehouse, Whitney Houston, even Monica Lewinsky, Lindsay Lohan, and so many others. You notice They're all female. To the best of my knowledge, I can't think of really any males or at least many males that have endured this kind of abuse and torture. Michael Jackson is the one that comes to mind, and that comes with a whole host of other issues. We'll be touching on that momentarily. However, for your edification and to show that I did my homework, You need to bear with me here because I'm going to give you a quick timeline of Britney Spears' career. So first of all, she was born in 1981, and that makes her 40 years old. 
at the time of this podcast. She was rejected from the Mickey Mouse fan club, or the Mickey Mouse club, I should say, at eight years old for being too young. Uh, She won the first round of Star Search at the age of 10. Uh, She did not make it to the second round. I guess she got cut. A year later, she made it to the Mickey Mouse Club, along with Justin Timberlake and Christina Aguilera. She records Hit Me Baby One More Time in 1998 after the Mickey Mouse Club was canceled in 94, I think about four years ahead of that. She opened for Sync, which of course she will now uh, continue her, her work with Justin Timberlake. Hit Me Baby One More Time goes through the roof on the charts. Uh, she poses for Rolling Stone. She hits TV shows, usually playing herself like in Goldmember and Austin Powers Goldmember. She, it, it, the line was just perfect. Look, it's Britney Spears. Uh, she ended up on shows like Sabrina, The Teenage Witch, and SNL. I think she hosted SNL or was the musical guest twice. Uh, she reveals that she was, you know, dating Timberlake. And she became, you know, part of this couple fascination that the fans had. So combining Britney fans with Timberlake fans and NSYNC fans, they become a new obsession. Additionally, she became the face of a new generation for Pepsi and her third album dropped by 2001. She did make a misstep, and possibly this is the first crack in the foundation of the, the perfect Britney image with Crossroads, uh, a movie that she made where didn't get uh, well-received, to say the least. 2003 saw her infamous Madonna kiss. Uh, the media started turning against her now, as a lot of conservative movements focused on her and the normalization of lesbianism and Rush Limbaugh, I remember, got his panties all in a bunch over it, while everybody forgot that the more you complain about this, the more attention you're giving it. She ends up getting married uh, to a childhood boyfriend, Jason Allen Alexander, and then that marriage was annulled 55 hours later. It didn't help. I believe it was in Las Vegas. So lots of cliches there. And she's starting to become now media fodder and the vultures, well, they're circling. She marries Kevin Federline in 2004, which is more media fodder. And the blame falls on her. Some called him, you know, a male gold digger, that kind of thing. And fans begin to speculate there. I want you to notice something. The red flags are all in place. This girl is starting to age and uh, she's moving her way up the ranks in both power and appeal. And there is no one stepping out of the wings. An individual, this is important. There is no individual that is stepping out of the wings to help her. She was banned in 2005 from the Oscars along with Paris Hilton and Pamela Anderson for not wanting the ceremony to become a sideshow. However, Harvey Weinstein attended. She started a reality show on UPN with Kevin Federline. Not a good move. Uh, She's recorded vomiting in a swimming pool from her pregnancy sickness. Already now, the media is starting to move on the idea that this girl from the South is just white trash. The media gets her driving a shot of her. I don't know if it was a photo or video with uh, her kid on her lap. Uh, The kid ends up falling from a high chair at home and the media is now in full force to paint her as an unfit parent. She divorces Federline in 2006 and by 2007, the girl is in rehab. 
Then gossip maven Perez Hilton emerges as a prime attacker in the media against Britney Spears and a number of other women. In 2007, we saw the infamous shaved head incident, and all of this starts to go critical mass. She loses custody of her kids. As a fifth album is released, she now has two children. She's committed to a psych ward at the UCLA Medical Center from January to February of 2008. And then in 2008 wins MTV Best Awards for a number of things. She set the Guinness uh, Book of World Record for Youngest Female to achieve five songs that debuted at number one. And in March of 2009, she kicked off her circus tour, which ended up, I think, making over $130 million. She waxes and wanes from comeback to crashing back down again and the media jerking her around like she's some human yo-yo. Again, this is not going to be another opinion on her conservatorship. I don't know a lot about it, and I don't want to. In its simplest form, the conservatorship was, was needed. It was needed to be done, or she was going to die, because no one seemed to be helping her, and a vacuum needed to be filled. You can agree or disagree on that. That's not the purpose of this podcast episode. There is no doubt, it is undeniable, that Britney Spears was hunted by the paparazzi. In the early 2000s, the media's sexist culture was was all over magazines and television interviews and the radio and and the rising internet, often objectifying up-and-coming female stars, usually in their 20s, late teens to early 20s. And And that trend has continued. I mean, the media of the early 2000s still poses a contrast to to that of today. I mean, women are are rarely uh, portrayed on magazine covers. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. A lot are. But when they are... They're always put in bathing suits and scantily clad and in like lingerie and 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 underwear and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and all that does is fuel this sex culture and objectifying these women. And it targets young women within this media culture, like like celebrities like Britney Spears and Tara Reid and Lindsay Lohan and Christina Aguilera and so many more. Well, they suffer from the imbalanced power dynamics of really a, a male-dominated industry. And these men are kind of like the gatekeepers and controllers of these women and their success and the engineers of their failure. From the 2000s on, the internet helped create these double standards against celebrity women. It does the same now over the whole fat versus healthy versus body positive mess. I mean, which is it? You can't have shows like the Kardashians or TikToks showing beautiful girls with makeup and looking thin and in their yoga pants and all that, and then have 600-pound life because then you have the body positive, love me who I am. You can't have all of that with celebrity women specifically, although there are men, but mostly this is women. You have stars like Adele, or Rebel Wilson called his heroes for losing weight. But then you turn around and you call people fat phobic or fat haters for calling out the lifestyles of Lizzo or, or that chick from my big fat fabulous life and saying that it's their right to look this way because it's body positive. Well, it's really not body healthy. So which is it here, folks? 
Which one do you want? Which image is proper? Losing weight and also plastic surgery to fit the norms and conformity of the media standards or just let yourself be you with your cellulite, your flab, your fat, your imperfect, unfiltered photos. This is a mess. There is no clear message other than conformity. Fit in to the paradigm that is required. We clamor about the sanctity of children and we we rant and we're outraged and, and revolted by pedophilia and child sex trafficking and exploitation. But just look how Spears and a number of female stars and male stars, going back to Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Kirk Cameron, were going through all of that, even Macaulay Culkin, as they're created for the media from waif to whore in just a few short years. And all of this is to be consumed. We sexualize the images of, of young girls and boys as seen perfectly in the late 90s and early 2000s with the boy bands and teen girl bands and Spice Girls. Both sexes are paraded out there for masturbation raw material, enticing those already sick with a predilection for young kids. Now, I'm look, I'm not saying it's the kids' fault. I'm saying that you can't have an industry that proclaims outrage and hashtags for abuse of women, sexual abuse of women, for child trafficking and pedophilia and the outrage and the hashtags that go for all of that, and then have that same industry create those images which entice those sick people out there. Suddenly, a 12-year-old looks 18, and then it's okay to accept her as a sex image. The normalization of sexualization gained incredible steam in in the late 90s thanks to rapid media interchanges and the ability for fans to have a far more vocal and hands-on access to the celebrity of their dreams. That is important. So we're going to come back to easy access. And despite being a siren, many demanded, many fans demanded a a naivete and, and an innocence from Britney Spears. And instead of portraying her as wholesome and fun and playful or even promiscuous and, you know, who acted and looked beyond her age, basically they ramped all this up and really, in a weird way, borrowing from the pandemic, operated under a gain of function platform. Related to this kind of portrayal was the notion that because of, of, of Britney's immense prominence and massive amounts of social and cultural impact and, and capital, she's really, you know, forced to be on the defensive on nearly every aspect of her life. She is under a microscope and we follow it and we eat it and we entertain ourselves by living vicariously through her. She was being stalked around the clock. She lost all of her privacy and she was either vilified or extolled. And all of this took a toll on her mental health and it ended up culminating in her hair shaving incident. She attacked a reporter's car and then the conservatorship came in. Now we're going to get to why the fan driven uh, power to get her free of this conservatorship is very is really not very different than the stuff and the powers and the fan obsession that drove her into the situation where she needed this. The very media that sought to build her and giving her constant exposure 
also wanted to destroy Britney Spears once that satiating tipping balance was achieved. Now it was time for even better ratings to watch her fall and come back down. And this is done by the very people who loved her and built her. Now look, you can argue that her first misstep were her breast implants. She caved to the sexualization of her image and she got them because she believed, as as many women do as well, that this is what you do. Your body isn't perfect. It's not fitting the image that's been created. You're not getting on Maxim. You're not getting on FHM if your boobs don't match the image that is required and what is selling. This is what the public wants. This is the image she felt she needed. So she goes ahead and she does it. And much like Tara Reid, she was pelted with rocks and stones, humiliated by the press that saw weakness in her personality and ran with it. Folks, blood was in the water. And those sharks were circling. And that's not just the media. That's the entire nation and everybody obsessed with this girl. The real sad story is that Britney Spears did this while her breasts were still growing. She had not naturally developed fully when she got them. Her breasts grew naturally and they grew bigger and the media noticed and increased their humiliating attacks and criticism upon her. She ended up having them removed. She was forced to reverse her image, the one she was groomed to embrace. This is a cycle of abuse. She got to a point where she consciously moved to make her image trashier, believing this was what was expected and required. It is a sick cycle of scrutinizing body weight and personal life issues as sex and marriage. Her crotch, her bare crotch was exposed in a photo of her getting out of the car with panties on. I mean, that picture went all over the globe. Can you imagine any of you having this done to you? She was exposed literally exposed before the world. And worse yet, she was exposed as mentally ill, an unfit mother, and then from shining star to having her own life weaponized against her and used to turn her into white trailer trash from Louisiana. She wasn't Carrie Underwood, the correct Southern girl who morphed into sexiness, but the proper way, and I use that in quotes. Spears was supposed to be this wholesome Southern girl done good, but the forces upon her from the early days of the internet course corrected her. She became unsympathetic and a target of derision, scorn, and humiliation. And that famous crotch shot exemplified this. And the sad part is, those of you listening, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Another photographer made sure to exploit her at some club. I think it was in Europe. And I remember the photo where she was showing up or she showed up with this guy um, in, a, in, in like fishnet stockings and a leather jacket or something. And I think she had a t-shirt on that said, fuck rehab with an exclamation point. And the worst part out of it all was that, again, her panties were exposed. Her crotch area was exposed. But the problem this time, it was stained. The panties were stained with menstrual blood. And the media focused on this. They got her eating junk food, looking disheveled, pointing out that she had acne, that her her belly had fat on it. And they monitored her weight. Perez Hilton vandalized photos of her on his website to humiliate her. 
She was a one-legged girl in an ass-kicking contest. That's what she was. And where was anyone inside her circle to realize that it was time to get this young lady help? Timberlake was supposedly her rock and helped her stay away from the fray. I, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm too old to know some of that. But the demands of sexualization upon her moved things in a cheating scandal that rocked the teen world. And it heaped more scorn upon her as the one who broke Justin's heart and deeper into the sexual woods away from the light. This was exemplified in her MTV Music Awards appearance with that big snake. Remember the boa that was around her neck, the boa constrictor? She was in full sexual exploitation mode when she was singing her Slave for You song, I'm a Slave for You. The issue with Free Britney, the hashtag Free Britney, is that it also continues to paint her out as mentally unstable by dragging out her past transgressions and further exploiting her and showcasing her as a sick individual. She has to relive it all for those who already know and tainting those who do not remember or weren't around. She probably will never listen to this podcast because who can blame her? Why the fuck does she want to sit down and listen to this? Is the Free Britney movement really detrimental or unwarranted? I think it represents a line cross from fandom to obsession by a public that has no business in these affairs. Spears is once again treated like a public property, a commodity to be traded by media, podcasts, social petitions, and and influencer weigh-ins that drag her, her kids, and family all through this shit again. She doesn't need a mass movement. She needs a benevolent individual or a benevolent small group that truly has her best interests at heart and not their own financial interests. There's a thing called easy access. And easy access through the internet has allowed a barrier to be dismantled between fans and their celebrity obsessions. Fans, and again, I hate that word because it implies uh, mental illness because it's a derivative of fanatic. Fans can now reach out at any time to a star. And sometimes they get through. And they get through far better than the days of writing a fan club, an agent, and hoping for a picture autograph or something like that. They can now comment on the life of this famous person in real time. And usually they take this resource and use the opportunity to cast criticism against the person just so they can say they got a reaction. Look, look, so-and-so responded. I I just did this recently. Uh, I tweeted something. Someone wrote something extremely nasty and rude and stupid to William Shatner on Twitter. And I posted back, what a rude and dumb thing to say. Just because you can post something, what gives you the fucking right to talk like that? I have an episode, episode 34, and it's called Easy Access, and the link is available in my show notes. Listen to it. This kind of fan behavior is usually reserved for women. Spears' downfall was one of the, if not the, most public fall-aparts in the history of pop media. I mean, she was created as an image of innocence only to be corrupted eventually and then destroyed and cast aside. And whether by her own hand or the unstoppable forces of age, eventually the system that made her would no longer have a use for her. 
Then the attention turns to another young one, and the process repeats. Michael Jackson, he might have been the most bizarre. He might be the male that comes to mind, in my opinion, that got this kind of obsessive fascination and abuse. He might be, like I said, the most bizarre with his eccentric behaviors and then allegations of molestation, but he was never recorded strapped to a gurney like Spears was. His house was never flooded by helicopter spotlights like this girl had. The media never got into his home like Spears, where one time she locked herself in the bathroom with her kids wearing only panties. When someone offered her clothing, she refused and said something like, I'm hot. The media seized on that to make it out like she was talking about her physical beauty when actually she was in a drug-addled delirium and talking of her body temperature and looking for her quote-unquote vitamins, which really was code for pills. Look, we know too much about this. I can't believe that I'm broadcasting this. This is a private problem, and she should have had somebody to kick that fucking media out and get this girl some help. Michael Jackson was not subjected to Dr. Phil being called in, a trash reality icon with no real credentials. And he was there for the ratings under the guise of, you know, altruistic behavior and concern. He, he drew similar criticism, if you remember, of his interview with actress Shelley Duvall. It wasn't help. It was exploitation. And again, a woman is the subject. I have a quote here. She is by far the top person I have written about on my website ever. That is from Perez Hilton. We're going to get into him in a second. And Harvey Levin, founder of TMZ, said, we serialize Britney Spears. She's our President Bush at that time. That tells you everything you need to know. But here you go. This is a direct quote, an open public letter from Perez Hilton to Britney Spears. And I'm reading it to you verbatim. Dear Brittany, fuck you. Fuck you. And that is in caps with about, it looks like, seven exclamation points. We are insulted, offended, and disgusted by your quote-unquote performance at the VMAs. Are you fucking serious? Three question marks. What you did was disrespectful to your few remaining fans. And it was disrespectful to MTV. You didn't even try. Five exclamation points. You should have just canceled, bitch. Your performance was beyond pathetic. The old Britney Spears, who was at one point, and in parentheses, a long time ago, truly great, would be embarrassed by your lack of professionalism and utterly shittiest appearance at the VMAs. You seem dead on stage. You have lost that spark and shine that used to ooze out of you. We all know you lip sync, but you couldn't even do that well at the VMAs. And you barely danced. You couldn't even get good hair extensions. And that is, uh, those are six ex uh, question marks there. You have no one to blame for your failure, but you, in all caps, exclamation point. There was no way you were going to be good. You were out partying every night before the VMAs for three days in a row until almost sunrise. You were probably still drunk or high during your performance. Three exclamation points. You almost tripped a few times, you fucking mess. Seven exclamation points. No bullshit excuse. 
that you or your camp will come up with can make up for how pathetic your performance was. You heard Sarah Silverman was going to make fun of your kids and it upset you? Deal with it. Rise above it. Or don't go on. A true professional will deliver, and that's in all caps, no matter what, four exclamation points. Let's repeat that. It's worth repeating. A true professional will deliver, no matter what, and there have to be over 10 exclamation points there. What you did was inexcusable. You should apologize to everyone, Brittany, four exclamation points. You are pathetic, and in all caps, with an exclamation point, fuck you. XO, XO, Perez. And then a PS. You ready for this? Your beer belly looked hot. This is the worst of playground bullying magnified by the power of media, money, and psychotic fandom. Perez has recently apologized for these things, claiming the follies of youth and a mouth that wrote checks his brain could not cash and the responsibility of being a new parent. Well, they've given him an epiphany. However, a wonderful and gifted writer, Anna Watkins Fisher, wrote this. This dissertation that she wrote can be found in a downloadable uh, PDF that I'm providing the link to in my show notes. You need to read the whole thing, but this is one of the best uh, pieces out of this. She responded to Perez Hilton's um, open letter, and she said this. This open letter, accompanied by a sidebar advertising t-shirts worth dying killing for, emblazoned with a caricature of a ball Britney Spears over the word train wreck, was a gross example of exactly how malicious satisfaction Americans seemed to take in Spears' disgrace. In a dramatic display of the energetic participation of the post-feminist gay guru in the rigorous policing of normative femininity, Hilton licked his lips with sadistic satisfaction at Britney's expense, mocking Spears' beer belly and repeatedly screaming, fuck you. But lest we forget, Hilton, whose real name is Mario Armando Lavendera, was also performing his own marketable brand of disturbed queer hysteria and lapping up the voyeuristic returns of his ecstatic, misogynist output. Sites like PerezHilton.com appear to try to upstage, even as they claim moral superiority over the excessiveness of the celebrity antics they hunt for profit. Harvey Levin, managing editor of TMZ.com, has said that when it comes to online traffic, Brittany is old faithful. Levin has added uh, that page views spike when an item about Spears appears on his site, which heaped daily ridicule on the comings and goings of Spears, mimicking her accent, parenting abilities, and wardrobe choices. As more ridicule produces more interest, Excessive negative attention paid to Spears became a self-perpetuating cycle. Here we go. Normalized and condoned by commercial logics of supply and demand. And that includes all of you fans. You, they supply, you demand. Digital media offer the privileged conduit for these sites, not simply in terms of speed of access, but also in facilitating an archive of failure that offers limitless permutations in production and manipulation of content. You can read Fisher's entire piece downloaded in PDF format from my show notes. I have the link. 
Read it all. What are we doing? Why are we obsessed with this and laser focusing such venom and hatred for targeted individuals? Is it because we know that we are being fucked up the ass by world governments and, and superstar elites and billionaires and trillionaires and we are powerless to stop it? So somehow this kind of behavior aided by electronic and, and digital assistance allows us to vent this elsewhere, usually on people that don't deserve it? Just what the fuck are we so angry about that we create these sacrificial lambs? Why are you so obsessed with her? Just what do you gain from weighing in on her conservatorship? I mean, aside from feeling like you're accomplishing something, just what are you really doing? What about channeling your energy into, into shelters in local areas around you where people in your community could benefit from such help and energy? The lure of being famous by proxy is too strong, I think. People get to say that they are part of something bigger. Brittany just might notice them. They get to post on social media like the, uh, remember the let Brittany alone guy. And you get famous from it. Just what are you seeking? Or is it another part of interactive entertainment? The real world has become so cynical, so overpowering, that this is the best way to affect change? I was teaching high school when Spears had her breakdown. Her high school students knew more about her and her career than the history I was teaching. It was only when I stopped one day and took a lesson to focus on Britney Spears and the media coverage of that shaved head attacking the press uh, breakdown. And the end of that lesson, I revealed to them that they are all complicit in her death should it come from this breakdown. The entire country was. Every fan was. Every single person who stood by and watched and munched their popcorn and posted their comments, snark and snide remarks, all were part of killing her even if she did it by her own hand. Some who hated her were once super fans. And all of this showed there was an underlying mental illness in this whole country. And Spears was simply sick from it. Coincidentally, the always brilliant South Park, known for its timeliness, happened to air an episode where Spears blew her head off and was still alive and became the focus of an all-new media obsession with her new look. The show eviscerated fans and the focus on this celebrity bullshit. It was called Britney's New Look and it was spot on. And I provide a YouTube link to some of it. I provided a transcript from the actual script of this episode. So in this scene right here, uh, they are watching Stan and his family and Randy and Cartman. They're watching uh, the president on TV. And their kids are bored, naturally. And he says, Stan says, Oh, Dad, can, can we please not watch this? And Randy says, This is important, Stanley. You boys should care about this stuff. Yeah, but we totally don't, says Cartman. Randy says, Well, you boys are going to sit and watch this. This is what really matters. And the moderator on TV says, And so, Mr. Obama, why don't you tell us your stance on military spending? So this was during the time when Obama was running for president. Barack Obama says, well, my opinion is that. And then boom, the entire debate is disrupted by an emergency bulletin. And the announcer says, we interrupt this debate for an emergency news bulletin. 
it's Britney watch. And then you see a bunch of uh, images of Britney stamped uh, all over the place with saying Britney watch inside of it and dramatic background music, keeping you up to date with all your Britney Spears news. And Butters, who finally wakes up, he's my favorite character, by the way, he writes, man. And Randy says, oh boy, what's she done now? And that's perfect. What's she done now? A public obsessed on nothing, ignoring the political changes, the technological changes being done to us under our noses while we focused on this kind of superficial distraction. The anchorman goes on to say, this must be very embarrassing for Brittany that this photo got out, Bob, and she looks like she's gained weight. The other announcer says, that's right, Ron. She really chubbed up. And if you zoom in on her face, you can see that she's got some zits and they shoot this close-up of her chin that shows two zits. Folks, this is perfect. As always, the kids in South Park are the ones who see things right and the adults are all fucked up. Kyle at the end says this in a closing speech. He says, now wait a minute. Everyone just stop for one minute. And everyone looks at him. Look, you guys are going to end up killing her. Can't you see that Britney isn't in any condition to handle this crap anymore? I know watching celebrities go down can be fun. Me and my friends are just as guilty as all of you. But maybe, we'll just, maybe, it's time to let this one go. Just this one time, let's all stop before it's too late. Holy shit, is that fantastic. Coming from a cartoon. Folks, everyone listening to me. And this is definitely, uh, it's a plea on deaf ears. Let's stop this. There it is. The only problem is we won't. And I don't think we can. It's a perpetual engine. It runs one way, then back the other. Staying in constant motion with its weights and counterweights. It is the perfect engine. And in the wake of this pandemic, we see exactly how this kind of fanaticism infects politics, religion, and transcends entertainment. The rise of outlandish conspiracy theories is only made worse by the tens of thousands who embrace them. Leave Britney alone? Free Britney? Two iconic terms. The ones demanding to free her are the very ones who have enslaved her all of these years. And they hold her like a moth in a killing jar. She's not the first. And sadly, she won't be the last. This is Harrison Smith. Thank you for listening. And maybe somewhere out there, somebody heard this. Thank you.